Welcome to the teaching ministry of Jubilee Church International. Jubilee is devoted to making disciples, winning the lost to Christ, building strong families, and taking the gospel to the nations. Open your Bibles and join us as the presence of the Holy Spirit helps us to grow a little deeper. If you will, open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 35. Genesis, chapter 35. We're going to continue in our series of Devaku, clinging to Jesus. Learning how to cling to Jesus. Amen. And what I want to talk about this morning is to take a serious look at the things That inhibit us from clinging to Jesus. If I want to learn how to cling to him. I've got to recognize those things. That are standing in the way. Of me hanging on to him. And even though Jacob. Had this encounter with God. Where he clung to God. And wouldn't let go. He said I'm not going to let go to you. Bless me. There were some things that had to happen. There's some things in his life that had to go, had to be removed before he could ever get to the place where he would truly know what it means to cling to God. Because it's it's only when you are clinging to God that you will discover the destiny that God has for you. And let me tell you something, the destiny God has for you is more than a ministry. That's not his goal. His goal is that depth of relationship. And I'm telling you, so many times we we think ministry is learning how to throw a lot of words out. How to show our spiritual side. You really want to show me your spiritual side. Let me see see how you love people. You You really want to show me the depth of your theology and your knowledge. Don't share with me all the Hebrew knowledge you know. Share with me how you love people. Show me how you are submitted to the authority of God in your life. Show me how, let me see how you respond when crisis comes. Let me see how you respond when you are challenged. Then we'll see the depth of discipleship and what you're really clinging to. Say this with me. That which offends you reveals you. That which offends you reveals you. How many of you know it's like digging? You know you're supposed to die before you dig. Right? Why is that? So that you don't hit something. Like electrical lines and gas lines. How many of you know, if you're out there digging, how do you know when you hit an electrical line? Well, one thing, everything loses power. You look over in your neighbor's house, it's dark. You look around, every house on your street has no electricity. Because you hit the power line. You hit some electrical or something like that. or You'll know. How about a gas line? How do you know when you've hit a gas line? 
there's an explosion. <laughs> it's a good sign you've hit a gas line. I've noticed people are the same way. When you've hit something, they shut down. They back away. Or you hit something and they explode and they're gone. So while training for my third degree black belt, I had to throw one of my instructors. I was actually throwing two of them. I was throwing John and Jacob. And uh, they were attacking from two different directions. And I was throwing one and throwing the other. But it, was, it, it looked really good. It looked like I was really throwing them around. But what, the truth was, they knew more of what to do than I did. <laughs> they knew how to fall. But during the training, I was using a certain defensive technique. And the Jacob, who I was throwing, he's a fourth degree. And I was just a second. And in the process, you may not be able to see it this morning. I still have the remnant of a black eye. It's turned green. <laughs> it's not quite purple and black anymore. But in the process, his knee connected with my eye. We made a connection. His knee was going one direction. Listen to me. His knee was going one direction and my eye was going the other. And the two met. And as a result, my eye became black. <laughs> it was so funny. Because I hit the ground immediately. I was holding my eye. I was going, somebody get ice. And here comes Mark, my great friend. He comes running with an entire bag of ice. <laughs> See, that's, that's a friend. He doesn't just go bring you a couple cubes. He brings the whole 20-pound bag of ice. We'll take care of you, Pastor. Somebody get the ice. I feel it swelling. The second thing I said was, don't call Angie. <laughs> Charles Adam was texted. She stopped. <laughs> Don't hit sin. <laughs> but see, it was not his fault. Why? Because he's a fourth man and I'm a second. <laughs> the principle is that my lack of knowledge of the technique and the failure to follow it had consequences. No need to blame someone else. And the black eye has given me much wisdom and insight for the future. <laughs> insight. Buster got that one. <laughs> Genesis chapter 35 verse 2. So Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him. He is responding to instruction from God. God has come to him and says, listen. Jay, Esau's breathing down your neck. You don't, you, for all you know, Esau's coming to slaughter you and all that you have. But something's, you got to do something. You got to clean your house. He says, put away the foreign gods that are among you and purify yourselves and change your garments. Change your identity. Change who you are. Foreign gods, the Hebrew word nakar Elohim. Contextually, it is defined as this. 
He's, God is telling him to get rid of the things that have become strange rulers that possess their soul. Get rid of the things that have become strange rulers that possess your soul. See, God was trying to take Jacob into his destiny. But he had to let go and he had to let God confront his identity that he was clinging to. You know what he was clinging to? He was clinging to his own soul. He was fearful for his own safety. So often we cling to so many things. We cling to our own ideas. We cling to our doctrines. We cling to our feelings. We cling to our offenses. We cling to our pride. We cling to our egos. We cling to our own souls more than we cling to God. And you cannot surrender all of your soul if you're clinging to any of it. See, because if I truly give it, I don't hang on to any of it, do I? Right? If I were to hand you a $100 bill and say, here, God told me to give this to you. And you went to take it out of my hand, but I wouldn't let go of it. You would say, what are you doing? Are you going to give it to me or not? Well, yeah, I'm giving it to you. Because God told me to. Well, then let go of it. <laughs> right? And, and sometimes that's what I hear God saying. You, you, go, Lord, I've given you everything. He said, well, then let go of it. Let go of it. But we cling. We even cling to cliches. That might sound spiritual, but are filled with rebellious humanistic ideology. You've heard sayings like, cleanliness is next to godliness. It's in the Bible. Oh, it is? <laughs> well, it, it has a principle implied. And it's the cleanliness it's talking about was not the, the, your mama you know, licking her fingers and cleaning your ears. The cleanliness of your soul is the concept. Cleanliness is next to godliness. When your soul has been cleansed of all that has defiled it. And how many of you know we live in a life where every day things are trying to defile your soul? Disney. Why? Why suddenly now in PG-13, they can drop the F-bomb one time. Why? You've made billions and billions and billions of dollars without ever dropping an F-bomb. But suddenly you feel the cultural need to indoctrinate my children and make normal profanity. Why? What is your motive, Disney? They want to defile your soul. Everywhere. Every day things are seeking to defile your soul. How about this one? God helps those who help themselves. Yeah. 
you, you just don't want to help anybody. That's a good one to use when you just don't want to help anybody. Because you got an evil eye. It's a Hebrew idiom for a lack of benevolence. Well, God helps those who help themselves. They need to put that sign down and they need to get a job. Okay? How about this one? Be careful touching God's anointed. Oh, oh, whoop-de-doo, you. Yeah. How about this one? I'm under no one's authority but God's. I'm under God's authority. I'm not under no man's authority. You know, there's a place in, in, in the Old Testament. There was a man named Korah who used similar words. And you know what happened to him? God caused the earth to open up and swallow him. And all those that he had drawn to his own cause. You know, I've seen people wearing t-shirts. Have you, how many of y'all saw this t-shirt that says, No one can judge me but God. I saw one somebody wearing that the other day. No one can judge me but God. And he will. <laughs> and I hope you're wearing that t-shirt. <laughs> you, you, the, my, my point is this. Do you understand these, these ideologies, these, these ideas that we get that, that have nothing to do with God? They're, they're far from him. And we build theologies and doctrines and ideas. And, 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 and the truth is, they are standing in the way of us clinging to God. And they give us a false sense of, of relationship. They give us a false sense of our spiritual rank or stature. We think, and, and they give us a false sense of, of where we are really in the relationship with God. They give us a false sense of our understanding. They give us a false sense of the knowledge of God. We think we have a knowledge of God, but it's really not. It's something that we and men have created and we've called it the knowledge of God. It gives you a false sense of clinging. And you think you're hung, hanging on to God, but you're really not. You're holding on to your own spirituality, or you're holding on, you're clinging to your own soul. Or you're clinging to your pride, but you think it's God in your spirituality. What about you? That's why it's been said that the true mark of a disciple of Christ is humility, it's brokenness. That's why he said all the law is summed up in this love. So in all your getting knowledge and all that, don't forget the love. See, the statement in and of itself, no one can judge me but God. The statement in and of itself is evidential of their cluelessness. 
Chazal says the fire or the esh, the wrath, the anger, the judgment of the Torah, the law of God, puts out the fire of Gehinnom or Sheol, hell, the place of spiritual eternal punishment. So let me read it to you again. The statement he says that the fire of the Torah puts out the fire of eternal punishment. So what does that mean? What is Gasol saying? There are two paths. God's way and that which is not. Simple as that. I love the old saying, there are two choices on the shelf. Pleasing God or pleasing self. You can choose one or the other. And if you're, if you're choosing one, you're not choosing the other. So what does it mean? There are two paths. See, if you follow God's way, you escape the eternal damnation reserved for those who do not. Deuteronomy 4.24, look there with me. Deuteronomy 4.24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire. Are you ready? This is where I'm going to do another demonstration. I'm going to light something on fire. I'm just going to... No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to burn anything again. It was an awesome demonstration. Demonstration. John did not get to use the fire extinguisher though. He is a consuming fire. He is a jealous God. Jealous. From the word kana, having no rivals. Meaning he is jealous for that which is rightfully his by covenant. Deuteronomy 33, 1 through 4 declares, This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, The Lord came from Sinai and dawned from Sierra upon us, and he shone forth from Mount Paran, and he came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Yes, he loved his people, and his holy ones were in his hand. Wait a minute. I thought flaming fire was in his hands. Yes, his holy ones. So they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you. And when Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob. You see, principles are transcendent and objective. They're not seen, but their applications and consequences are evident all around us. If you violate the laws of gravity or electricity, you'll experience the consequences. Amen? When you violate, how many of you believe that? If you stick, you know, that electrical socket, my dad used to say this all the time. It'll bless you. It'll do wonderful things for you. It'll, you can use your hair dryer. You know, run a TV, it'll, do, it'll entertain you, it'll, it'll do wonderful things. But if you go stick a screwdriver in there, it will not bless you. And you can blame the electrical company, you can blame, try to sue Jubilee, but you're the fool who stuck the screwdriver in the socket. It won't bless you. How many of you know that's a rule? And you can, gravity, you can try to deny it exists. 
You can try to say it's relative. There is no absolute truth. I don't believe it. I, I can you know, go jump off a three-story building and see if gravity blesses you and all your relativism. It won't. And it's funny how we we got enough sense to know. Not to walk off a ledge, drive off a cliff. We got enough sense not to know to, to go stick the hair dryer in the bathtub. Well, some of us. Most of us. But what's this? How many of you know that in the same light, there are laws that govern other things in life? When you violate the laws of financial management. You end up in a crisis. When you violate the laws of biblical relationship. I love my dad used to say, I quote him all the time, but he used to say, Son, in the prophetic ministry, you're going to find there are three things that people do not want to hear from you, from God. Suddenly, when it comes to these three three things, they can hear from God themselves. They'll come to you, want you to prophesy about whether they should buy this house or that house, move here, move there, do this, do that, what color car they should buy. Does God want them to have a red car or a blue car? People are going to hell, but God wants, he's worried about which color car you got. You should buy a Chevrolet or that new Beamer. But suddenly they're prophets when it comes to what to do with their money. And where to give it. Where to go to church. And who to marry. Who to date. Suddenly they hear from God. I've had people come to me. Oh, Pastor, I need to hear a word from the Lord. About what? Well, there's this, there's this guy God's brought into my life. I've learned to say, what do you want to hear? <laughs> what do you mean, what do I want to hear? Well, just tell me what you want to hear. Because I know you've already concluded what you want to do, what you're going to do. You just want me to affirm, thus saith the Lord, what you've already told God you're going to do. Well, I want to know if he's the one for my life. Does he? Is he a Christian? Well, then no. He's of a different species. He don't know your Jesus. If he don't have your faith, if he can't, he's of a different species. Run from him. I don't care how hairy his legs are. Run from him. Different species. There are laws. When you violate the laws of financial management relationship, you will experience the, con- experience the consequences and the repercussions. Why? Because you're going a different direction than God. Everything operates according to the laws established by God. This is why often in the Old Testament, we don't see them blaming Satan and the demonic spirits for everything that happened. 
You don't see them blaming demons. Moses never blamed a demon. Joshua never blamed a demon. But boy, we tear them demons up today. We're blaming them for everything. Pastor, pray against this spirit. The canker worm that's eating up the hole in my bag. And, and I can't give and I can't do this. Oh, pastor, I need you to pray. Well, you've already told me a few biblical principles you're violating. Now tell me the rest of the story. Well, do I have to pray in the spirit and prophesy to find out you went to the casino last week? Ain't no demon. You violate the laws of financial management, biblical financial stewardship. Ain't no demon. We're looking for demons, though. <laughs> a demon. Ain't a demon. You're violating God's law. You're just simply violating God's law. You know why? Because we don't know it. See, we're like police officers. I mean, I love police officers. I respect them. But my daughters were in the mall one time. And they called me, Daddy. The policeman in the mall just ran us out. Him and an, it was a, a, a mall security guard and, and a North Rock policeman. And they put my kids out and, and made them leave the, go out on the parking lot and wait for me to come get them. Standing out. Y'all know how many people been shot in McCain Mall parking lot? And they put my teenage daughters out there. And do you know what for? They had come out of a staff meeting and they were told to crack down on all this uh, loitering in the mall. And so the policeman told me when I asked him, he said, we just found the first teenagers when we walked out the office door and yours happened to be standing there and we chose them. So I went and looked up the law, the Arkansas state law and definition of loitering and I read it to the policeman. And I asked him first, I said, do you know what the state law is on loitering? Well, no. But you wear a badge. You're the one enforcing law, but you don't know the law. Let me read to you the law, the state law and the state definition of loitering. And it has nothing to do with hanging out in front of the movie theater. If they don't want people standing in front of the theater, get rid of the theater. But let me read to you the law. He said, I don't need to know what the law says. I said, why is that? He said, because we have mall law. <laughs> mall law? What is mall law? You're making up your own law? You do it every day. You're not following his law, but I got the badge that says I'm a Christian. And you're, in, you're, you're applying laws that you don't even know. We call them Christian law. We call it Christianity. Let me say it again. This is why often in the Old Testament we don't see them blaming Satan and demonic spirits for everything that happened. And go ahead, quote Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. I mean, that's, you know, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Throw it up there. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. What does it say? That's not it. That's it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't even know what that means. 
He's talking about we do not wrestle against the flesh and blood of our brother. We don't wrestle with his soul. Contend with it. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. And we take that one scripture completely out of context. We build an entire super spiritual theology on it. I want to make it practical to you today. To where you can truly see God working and changing in your changing things in your life. You want God to change things and, and you're going to grab hold of that scripture and you're going to start yelling at some demons. Yelling at some demons. But yet tomorrow, nothing's changed. And the demons are laughing at you. You know why? Because they're going to look at them yelling at us. The whole time they're violating God's law. They're unwilling to change their thinking. They're full of pride and arrogance and everything else. And they're so super spiritual. And yet they're yelling at us. I really think demons are more spiritual than many Christians. <laughs> Tell me the Apostle Paul is expressing our battle against the dark side. The angels of darkness, the poltergeist. Ephesians 6.12 is all about the wiccans and the witches and the curses and the spells and the chants and the incantations and Darth Vader. Diabolos, Beelzebub. Let's go back and look at it in context of simply just the rest of the chapter, much less the rest of the entire letter to the church of Ephesus. Verses 1 through 4. If you look at them, what do they deal with? They deal with the laws or the commandments given by God relative to the principles of godly and divinely appointed authority in the context of Family, children, obey your parents. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the spirits and principalities and wickedness and darkness and high places. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother. This is the first commandment with promise. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Are you getting this? That it may go well with you. That you won't have to scream at all the demons. Because they will have no power, no authority in your life. They will have no place. They have no right. It may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Put it in context. Verses 5 through 9 are the same, only in the context of those whom you serve and those who rule over you. Look at what he says. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Are you getting this? Yeah. 
The rest of the chapter is about walking in the laws of attitude and right response to the principles of authority. That you might not stand in the opposition to these laws of God set forth, therefore, reaping the consequences. I mean, you know, the word devil here in Greek is diabolos. Everybody say diabolos. It's not Spanish for the red guy with horns and a pointy tail. Or the hot sauce at Taco Bell. (laughs) It means to oppose the cause of God. So you can yell at demons and you can grab hold of spiritual forces and pull them down all day long. But as long as you are walking in opposition to the cause and the will and the way and the authority of God in your life. As long as you are not following the laws of God and applying them to your life every day. You are accomplishing nothing. But everybody else will think you're spiritual. Everybody else will see, oh my goodness, they're a demon killer. Yeah, but they're fighting with hell every day at home. Wow. In the Hebrew, it is the word, I mean, you know what the word is in Hebrew, it's Satan. When Jesus says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, he says, get thee behind me, you adversary. You're in opposition to the cause and the way of God. Which means to stand as an adversary to the law or the will of God. I'm not saying, listen, I'm not saying that there's not a spiritual fight against the forces of darkness. Believe me, I have, I have cast out demons. I have experienced some, some real deals where uh, in South Africa, I went to lay hands on this woman and I felt this shock. And I stepped back and I said, it's a concrete floor. <laughs> what is going on? Went to touch her again. Felt it again. I looked at her and her eyes. She looked at me. And I said, are you a witch? She said, yes. I'm a witch. <laughs> I began to cast that. I said, you want to let go? You want, you want to change? Yes. So we began to cast that. i never forget one time. Went, uh, we was at uh, this meeting of young people used to gather called Draw the Line. And, and they were gathering and meeting. There was a bunch of young people just toying with prophecy and really no instruction, no direction. They just in there prophesying to each other and all kinds of stuff. And all of a sudden, two young men come in and got me and said, Pastor Marvin, we need your help out here. I said, okay, what's going on? They said, this guy, a demon manifested. We don't know what to do. <laughs> and I go back there. I go out there and they get in, the, get in the front seat of the car and I look in the back and he's in the middle and one on either side and eyes roll up in his head and he's, he is talking in two different voices and, and, and he says, Blank you, you and your father, you prophets. See, you want to know if, 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 if you're a real prophet or not, the demons know who you are. If the demons don't know who you are, you may not be a prophet. And he, said, we don't, and he called out my father's name. Oh, okay. What's your name? Legion. I thought that sounds familiar. Every demon called Legion. They all like that name because it's in the Bible. Y'all, Legion. Y'all think you're bad. All you demons think you're bad. 
And we cast that demon out in the name of Jesus. It was gone. Ain't nothing like in Mexico. Man, in Mexico, when the demons show up, I just look at Pastor Surgeon and say, get your buckets. <laughs> I mean, they start getting on the floor and snaking and hissing. and I mean, it, it, it's some crazy stuff. Yeah, it's real. I'm not telling you it's not real. I'm telling you how to cling to Jesus. How to get real in your life. In your life. One of the biggest things that hinder you from clinging to Jesus is your own super spirituality. It'll turn into pride before you know it. Because you won't be able to receive correction, instruction, direction. You won't see things in your own life that others who God has put into your life to help you and build a relationship who love you and want to see you be all God's called you to be. You won't see it. You won't receive it. And you won't bear fruit. You won't grow. You might bear fruit, but it won't last. Reminds me of fruit. My mama, my Angie used to have some a basket on the table. had some apples in it. And, and somebody, we looked and there was some teeth marks in them. Somebody done bit into one of them. And they were styrofoam. But they look so real. Look so real. Listen, I'm not saying there's not a real spiritual fight against the forces of darkness. I'm pointing out the fact that there are many Christians doing spiritual warfare against the devil. And in most cases, you're not even on the devil's radar. You're trying to pick a fight with the devil. And the problem that you're blaming him for are the results of your own not following God's way. And if you spent more time seeking and learning to cling to God, to grab hold of Him so tight and hold Him so close that you won't let go, instead of all this spiritual hype and warfare, then you might actually see the results of a life surrendered. You might see some demons, some people really set free. You might see some, somebody really healed. A heart, a soul truly restored. I think often trying to duke it out with the devil appears much easier and more spiritually pious than trying to crucify our flesh and surrender our own appetites, our own ambitions and spiritual egos and humility to the authority of God. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 2, look there with me. Isaiah 43 verse 2, God tells us, when you pass through the waters... I've preached this from so many angles. We're going to look at it a little different this morning. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. He doesn't say if. He says when. You pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire. Everybody say fire. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. So how do I walk through the fire and not get burned? Again, now's where I'm going to do my other fire demo. No, I'm just kidding. I just keep wanting to do another one. How do I walk through the fire and not get burned? 
First, you have to look. Remember, we talked about the four levels of um, Hebrew interpretation. You've got to look at the derash, the homiletic connection, not just the passat, the literal. What fire is he speaking of? If I want to know how to walk through the fire and not get burned, I need to know what fire he is talking about. What fire is he speaking of? The fire of judgment as a result of having violated the laws of God or when you're walking outside of his design. So, how do I cling to God? How do I cling to this consuming fire? How do I live every day in his presence and in his favor? How do I find deeper and intimate relationship with him? How many of you want to know the answer? You're not going to like it. You're going to swear to me, Pastor, I have fully arrived to this place. Or you're going to say, well, that's impossible to ever get there. But I can sum it all up in one word. Obedience. Obedience is a word that your flesh doesn't like. And when a pastor calls you to obedience, it's a cult. I'm not asking you to drink any Kool-Aid. I just want you to love each other. Quit gossiping. Be obedient to the Lord. So what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Because let me tell you, there's a lot of spiritual child abuse in the church. There's a lot of pastors and preachers demanding obedience to things that don't have nothing to do with God. There are churches that as soon as you join membership, you have to give them the routing number to your bank account. I don't want your routing number. I just want your faithfulness. Praise God. Angela <laughs> says, praise God, because I'd be God. I want your routing number. I just want your faithfulness. In fact, let me just be real with you. Even if you're not tithing and giving, I just would like you to be faithful to be here. You know why? Because I know if you get here, the Word of God will eventually, hopefully, grow inside of you and then you'll grab hold of the biblical principles and concepts of God and then everything else that God Desires of you will follow. So keep your money. Just come to church. If that's a problem. You understand what I'm saying? How do we get there? How do we do that? What does it mean, obedient? Obedience is from the word yakaha, meaning submission. What's this? Purging, cleansing. Obedience means to be clean. Your soul. And when you're disobedient, you defile it again. Every time you disobey God, you are defiling your soul. It's not just, I mean, you know, there's no half obedience. There's no partial obedience. You can't be half clean. Right? Obedience. Comes from the root word 
Yachai. Meaning to me to be, watch this, obedience from the root word Yachai. Meaning to be made blameless. Did you just see the cross? Did you just go from from Pasat to Darash to, where's that cross? It's over there. Amen. To sow, to sing Messiah, to sing Jesus, obedience, to be made blameless. That's why he came. That's what this manger is all about. That's what the cross is all about. So how do we get there? Jesus Christ has already made a way. Philippians 2.8. I'll close with this verse. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So what is your part? To live as Christ. This is discipleship. And if I were to challenge your ego or your pride today, could you say that you are truly not hanging on to your soul? You might say, but I've given all of my soul to Jesus. Well, what about the next crisis in your life that hits? And you're trying to give it to everyone else. (laughs) Have you heard that song? I keep hearing it on the radio. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. (laughs) Very next day you gave it away. But this Christmas I'll save me some tears. I'll give it to someone special. What does that even mean? (laughs) If you listen to that one line, last year it gave you my heart and you gave it away. This year, I'm going to protect my heart. Well, you already gave it to them. I'm going to give it to someone special. Well, what were they? What is this? Oh, but we sing it. It comes on the radio and we sing it. I don't know what this means, but it sounds different. What does it mean? You me tell you what it is? It's relational dysfunctional thinking. It's about dysfunctional relationship. And we sing it. Last Christmas I gave you my heart. It's a bad Christmas song. It really is. It's about dysfunctional relationship. But we just sing it, sing it, sing it. And it's a perfect example of how we do many things in Christianity. People to truly mature in Christ as disciples. We have to really give our souls. All of it. That which offends you reveals you. You want to cling to Jesus? Ask Him to reveal those things that are standing in the way. That you think are spiritual.
Oh, we can start with all the sin issues. You know what your sins are. I'm talking about the things that you don't call sin. That God looks at and goes, that's not healthy. It's not holy and it's not healthy. You call it holy, I call it unhealthy. Cling to Jesus with all that you are. Amen. Stand with me. I don't know about you, but I want to cling to Him. Through the hard times as well as the good times. And I don't want anything in my soul that any man put there, any doctrine put there, I don't want anything in my soul that, that I think is, is, is me clinging to Jesus and I'm not. I'm clinging to my own soul or my own spirituality or anything else. I want to know what it means to truly cling to my Savior. Amen. To the King. I want to be like Jacob. When he grabbed hold of Yeshua. You know that's what he grabbed hold of wasn't it? Yeshua. Yutevave. Behold the hand. Behold the nail. He grabbed hold of Yeshua. And when God comes back to him. God says. Jacob. Go back to the place. Where you grabbed hold of me. And Jacob's like. Well. Who were you? Which God? The God that you grabbed hold of. Yeshua. Go grab hold of the the God that was revealed to you. The God who came to your fathers Abraham and Isaac. Grab hold of Him. Father, today, we stand in absolute surrender. God revealed to us those things that hinder us from truly clinging to you. Because let me tell you something. When, when the devil really does get in your business. When the really hard times of life really come. It will be revealed what you've been clinging to. Because all your spirituality will fall short. But you better be hanging on to Jesus. Better truly be hanging on to Jesus because you're going to need Him. You're going to need Him more than your spirituality and everything else. You're going to need Him. Hang on to Him. Come on, every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. If there's anyone here this morning, you say, Pastor, I've been holding on to my own life, my own soul, my, my own future, my own identity. God, I want to lay it down at His feet today. And I want to cling to Jesus with all that I am. And I want to surrender my life to Him today. Come on, that's you. Come. Come, you want to surrender. You're here today and you say, Pastor, there are things in my soul that I realize I'm clinging to that I thought was Jesus, that I thought was holy, and I thought was what God desired of me. I thought was my identity. But I realize they're just mere substitutes. 
I want to truly cling to my Savior. Well, that's you. Just, just come or just raise your hand and just, just say, I want to cling to Him today. Come on, I want to cling. I want to cling like Jacob. I want to grab hold of Him and not let go. And I'll let anything else go that's standing in the way of clinging to Jesus. I want to grab hold of Him with all that I am. Come on, lift both hands to Him right now and say, I'm grabbing hold of you, Jesus. I'll climb the ladder. I'll do whatever it takes, God. But I want to hang on to you, God. I want to know what I'm hanging on to. I want to know the one I'm clinging to. I want to know it. I want to grab hold of him. I want to look into his face. And I want to say, yes, I've got hold of Jesus. I'm not ever letting go. I don't want to be a man pleaser. I want to be a God pleaser. I don't care what people think about whether I'm spiritual or not. I just want to know I'm clinging on to Jesus. I want to hang on to him. God, here we are today, your sons and daughters, and we grab hold of you, God. Grab hold of you for 2020. Because some of you are going to experience some things in this next year. God's going to challenge some things in your life. He's going to challenge where you stand. He's going to challenge where you've been. He's going to challenge who you are. He's going to challenge all that you hold dear and all that you think you value. He's going to challenge them because He's calling you to manifest what He has already spoken and desired about your life. That's what it means. He is faithful to complete that which He has started. And He says, so in 2020, get ready. Get ready. Grab hold of me, says the Lord. But get ready to let go of some things. But grab hold. Hold on. Come on, Jesus. Praise God. Well, God bless you this morning. Amen. Go and cling to Jesus. Be the light. Share the light. Show them with your life. Less with words, more with your life. How you're clinging to Jesus. Amen. God bless you.